0: I was sharing with one of my coworkers about the window dresser that we we're going to see today because I got to witness a practice a couple of weeks back. And the coworker said, you know, I don't know how you Christians take all that Christmas stuff just on blind faith. And I thought, blind faith. He didn't, he didn't mean to insult me, and he didn't. But I have to admit, it started me thinking, now I wasn't thinking about my beliefs, but why is it so many people doubt what the Lord has done and is still doing for his creation? And I was struck after watching the youth practice this play by how many of those who doubt Christmas are just like the mannequins we saw here today. They go through life with no true purpose, going from one thing to the next, searching. You know, I'm reminded that Christmas, like God himself, is both more wondrous and more threatening than any of us can imagine. Christmas is a challenge as well as a promise of fellowship with God. But the world can't comprehend it. You know, it's quite an irony that Christmas, the one Christian holiday the world seems to embrace, proclaims a message that is incomprehensible to so many. Jesus was born not in a civic arena, but in a stable. He didn't live in a palace. He was a refugee. The guests at his birth were not the movers and shakers of society but animals and shepherds. At every point, this child whom we celebrate on Christmas defied the world's expectations for how celebrity is supposed to act. The world cannot comprehend a God like Jesus. Can you help me there? There we go. This is a slide of the Annunciation, the the visitation where the angel comes and tells Mary. In our gospel reading, we find the greatest news ever to hit planet Earth being delivered to the most unlikely person in the world, an illiterate teenager. Her only bright spot in life was that she was engaged to be married. As one author wrote, from all indications... Mary's life would be anything but extraordinary. She would marry humbly, give birth to numerous poor children, never travel farther than a few miles from her home, and one day die like thousands before her. A nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. But for Mary, life was about to change. The angel Gabriel has come from God with the most significant message to ever be delivered to the human race. He travels to our planet to specifically deliver the news that the Messiah is about to be born. He comes not to Judea, where God has worked for centuries, but instead he comes to Nazareth. In verse 28 of Luke chapter 1, the message Gabriel delivers is greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, Mary cannot be accused like I've been accused of having blind faith. Look at how she responds. She is greatly troubled. That's not blind faith. She's troubled. She takes into account what is being said and ponders what exactly is going on here. I can just imagine her thinking, am I having a dream or am I truly seeing an angel? What is going on here? And the angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary's response, how can this be? I'm a teenage girl. I cannot be pregnant, of all people. I know I cannot be pregnant. How can this be? But the angel answers, The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Yes, Mary doubted. She questioned. She tried to sort things out. But most importantly, she had the faith to trust and believe what the angel Gabriel was saying to her. Her response was, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. You know, she could very well have said, Not my will, but thy will be done. Mary did not weigh the cost and the benefits. She responded with doubt, but her doubt was open to the possibilities with God. Mary's response was one of willing surrender. Her obedience to the call of God was grounded in the reality that He is God. He is our Creator and our Keeper. Her thinking is convinced. Her beliefs are confirmed. She accepts God's call. As I said earlier, the world cannot comprehend a God like Jesus. But can we? How easy is it to believe that an angel appeared to some teenage girl who then got pregnant without a man, traveled on a donkey to some podunk town like Bethlehem, spent the night in a barn, had a baby who turned out to be the Savior of the world? Really? Think about it. No offense, guys. But the fate of the world is resting on two teenagers. Two teenagers. And I'm not one to question God's motives, but it seems to me that God has arranged the most humiliating circumstances to bring himself into the world. How humiliating is it for Mary and Joseph? How many times did Mary question her memory of what she heard the angel say as she endured nine months of awkward explanations and the lingering rumors of scandal? And how many times did Joseph second-guess his own encounter with the angel as he endured the shame cast upon him by his neighbors who could plainly see the changing shape of his fiancée? Teenagers, yes. Full of doubt, possibly. But Mary and Joseph are being guided by the Holy Spirit. They're following God's plan. They're banking on God's promises. Christmas is certainly the ultimate history-altering, life-transforming event of all time. And in the words of some of our Christmas carols, this was truly the dawn of redeeming grace. For Jesus is truly the incarnate deity in whom God and sinners are reconciled. You know, doubt is not necessarily a bad response to something unknown. We can be like the mannequins and go along with those who doubt and be tied down by our own beliefs and expectations, or we can be like Mary and be open to the truth and be willing to let God be God and submit to His work in our lives. When it comes down to it, neither your doubt, my doubt, nor the doubt of millions can change who Christ Jesus is. That little baby that Mary carried for nine months, who was born in a stable and laid in a feed trough, is Christ the Lord. The heaven-born Prince of Peace, the Son of Righteousness. From the manger to the cross at Calvary to an empty tomb, Jesus proclaimed the arrival of God's kingdom. He went to the cross for all mankind. He died for our sins and was raised from the dead. So that in Him, each of us can have peace and joy in this life. And then, we can spend eternity in His presence. So let me ask you a question. What might our lives be like if we were to believe in Jesus like He believes in us? What might our lives be like if we were to believe in Jesus Like he believes in us. What might the world be like? As one of my favorite authors writes. He happens to be with us here this morning. Christmas introduces God's recovery plan for the world. The restoration of every heart. This recovery plan is a spiritual plan. Recovering every heart from sin's aloneness. To a personal relationship with God. A personal relationship with God. Christmas, with God taking on human flesh, means that He went to infinite lengths to make Himself one whom we can know personally. We can know God personally. Take a moment just to ponder the fact that the omnipotent Son of God relinquished His control of the universe in order to come and be born in a manger to relate to you personally. Beloved, that is the true meaning of Christmas. Maybe you're here this morning having doubts about the whole Christmas thing. So I need to remind us all that God is still writing the story of the redemption of the world. And the rest of your story remains to be written. Regardless of your doubts, regardless of what's going on in the world around you, God loves you. God loves you. He made you. He knows who you are, what you were created to be. And because God loves you so much, He sent His only Son to be born in a manger, to die on a cross, and to be raised from the dead for you, and for you, and for me, and for everybody in the world. You don't have to be an angel. You don't have to be any of these wise men. You don't even have to be a child to want to seek the Christmas mystery. But you do have to have the courage to let go of your doubts. Surrender like Mary did and give God a chance. Give Him a chance. See what He can do. God never disappoints. He never disappoints. If you've heard the true message of Christmas and believe that this child is the king of angels, then we all have cause to celebrate. For Mary bore the Christ child for nine months. You and I have the opportunity to bear him everywhere we go. And as we go walking in the joy of the Lord, we can pass on God's gift of his son to everyone we meet. Everyone we meet. And maybe if they receive that Christ child, they can truly have a Merry Christmas. Amen? Amen. I'd like to close with the final verse from the hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem, as our Christmas Eve prayer. So please pray with me. O Holy Child of Bethlehem, Descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Amen. God bless you and Merry Christmas. We'll. Continue.